All right, church, good morning. I'm hoping that you guys can hear me okay. Everybody okay? Everybody hear me well? All right, a good deal. You know, I came into church this morning, and um, uh, Brian came in my, my office, and we were talking, and uh, it was good to, to see Brian. I only got to see him like maybe once before he had to head back home and uh, and do some stuff there in Louisville and their church. And uh, we're so thankful for him coming today and filling in and uh, filling in for our fill-in. Amen? And so... Uh, uh, Dale, if you're watching, brother, and just know that we're praying for you, and, and we love you, and we're so thankful for you and your family and the time that you all have shared with us. Thank you all. Uh, we, we really see you as our church family, and uh, we're so very thankful for you all. Thankful for Brian. Billy will be here next Sunday, and so him and his family will be starting their journey with us next Sunday, and so we're looking forward to that as well. Amen? And so uh, they're moving all their stuff this week, and uh, we may have to go get them a boat to get to Kentucky, who knows, um, but, but they are heading this way, but, but Brian came in my office this morning, was talking to me, and, and he's like, you know, Brother Donnie, he's like, uh, I've got one that's got married, i got another one married, and I just, my, I started scratching my head, I was like, Brother, how old are you? And uh, he's like, well, I, I turned 50 this year, and I thought, so this is what I have to look forward to at 50, and so Noah, I'm okay with you not dating, son, and so... Um, <clears throat> You enjoy your 20s, and uh, we'll talk in about another 10 years. And so, um, but, but hey, I, I know it's exciting times, and, and you're all's family, and we're praying for you all. God bless you guys. It's got to be exciting. And, and so I know God's doing some great things through that. Church, real quickly as well, we've got some updates that we're going to share with you, hopefully tomorrow. Austin and I put some stuff out on, on Facebook, and we're going to send in another mailer for phase two of our reopening plans here at Cecilia Baptist. And so got some news about when Wednesday nights are going to start back, how we're going to proceed with that. Got some news of how we're going to get back into uh, nursery and children's church on Sunday mornings, and so we will proceed with that as well. And so a lot of new news to share with you. Uh, God has been really good uh, to our church family. Uh, hopefully we are staying good and healthy and uh, continuing to kind of practice our social distancing uh, and respecting people and their, uh, their, their area and where they're living. And so I know we've also got several folks that are homesick this morning as well. Be praying for them. And uh, hopefully the Lord is with them and touching them and healing them right now as we speak. So pray that you have your Bible with you, or hopefully you have one there in front of you. We're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37, and title of the sermon this morning. And man, Austin, you're doing a great job with these clips, man. God bless you, brother. Where'd he go? Uh, is he hiding back there in the back? He's over there. And so, uh, good job, man. Good job. Uh, you know, with his mask on, I can't tell if he's frowning at me or smiling at me, but um, he, he's doing something. He's learning new technology each week, and so he's been, been great at that. Uh, but title of the lesson or the sermon this morning is Sharing is Caring. So Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Hopefully you have your sermon outline with you there and your bulletin as we work through God's Word together. Now, when I was growing up, one of the cartoons that I loved was Charlie Brown. 
Uh, I don't know if you all saw my little Charlie Brown snippet on Facebook about sharing is caring, but if you did, hey, a thumbs up to the preacher. Uh, he's learning how to use Facebook a little bit more. But anybody else like Charlie Brown when they were growing up? It's okay to raise your hand. I think it's Charlie Brown's still good to go. Uh, but I loved watching Charlie Brown, so I'm reminded of a Sunday morning peanut uh, comic strip. And, and so Lucy walks in the room, and she demands that Linus changes the channel on the TV. And then she threatens him with her fist if he doesn't change the channel. And Linus says, you know, well, what makes you think you can just walk in here and take over? These five fingers, says Lucy. She says, individually, they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Well, which channel would you like me to change it to? Asked Linus. And then turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized just like that? You know, listen, I I don't condone Lucy's methods, but she does give us a, a powerful illustration of how the church... The body of Christ is designed to work when, when we, Cecilia Baptist, come together like this into a single unit. We too become one body, united for God's work, and that focuses on us strengthening not just one individual, but that focuses on us strengthening the whole what? The whole body of Christ. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've watched the church here in the book of Acts literally explode and moving these people, moving the church. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that now the church had grown from just about 150 to now over 5,000 new believers. And so think about this for just a second. We're not just talking about numbers. People are not just a number. Amen? But we're talking about 5,000 different personalities. We're talking about 5,000 different attitudes. So how in the world would you be able to take a group of 5,000 believers, a brand new church family, and keep them focused on loving Jesus and loving each other? Well, this morning we're going to look at maybe one of the greatest examples of what a church could look like, what a church could act like when Jesus leads the way in how we love and how we what? And how we think. And let's be honest, right now in this country that we're living in, people need to see this in us. Amen? They need to see that we are different. They need to see that we think differently. They need to see that we love differently. They need to see that we act differently. You know, we're living in a culture right now that is violent. We're living in a culture right now that is trying to figure out exactly who we are and where we want to go and who we want to be. And church, here is my thing. If Jesus leads the way, you're going to see love. You're going to see unity. You're going to see peace. And you're going to see guidance and protection. And I think this is what people on the outside are looking for from us. And so how do we stay Christ-minded? How do we stay Christ with our love and the things that we do? Well, guess where it teaches us these things? In God's what? In God's Word. So look at Acts chapter 4. Verses 32 through 37. And let's read this. Here's what the Bible says. Now, all the believers 
were in one heart and they were in one mind. And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. And from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, and the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned, and he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day that you made for the liquid sunshine, Lord. I know we needed some rain, and Father, we thank you for always providing, Lord, for us each and every day. And God, we thank you for the music uh, this morning. Thank you for the children's sermon, God, uh, for the scripture that's been read that has prepared our heart to, to receive your word. Father, thank you for letting us come and give our, our tithes and our offerings to you, God, this morning. Uh, Lord, we know that... Uh, Father God, you continue to bless us in just so many ways uh, that we could just talk about, Lord, for uh, as long as the days are. And so, Father, I pray this morning as we turn to your word and we open up the Bible and we're talking about sharing and we're talking about loving and we're talking about being a church that is unified. Lord, I pray you impress upon each heart individually this morning of how this sermon relates to them and how this relates to us as a whole. And so, Father, we pray this morning you, you change. Father, we, we pray this morning you open up hearts. Father, we pray this morning you convict us, Lord, where we need to be convicted. Us. Educate us, dear God, throughout your word, throughout this sermon, Lord, that we can be better for you and better for each other. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, when 5,000 people gather together, there are going to be different what? There are going to be different opinions. There are going to be different methodologies. There's going to be different ideologies. There's going to be different procedures when you gather 5,000 people. Now, listen, this morning, I don't know what we have. Our numbers are down. The weather is bad outside. we got some that are sick, some that just didn't want to venture out into this bad weather. But let's just say we've got 100 people here. Now, tonight we have a business meeting at 6.30. How many of y'all have ever been to a business meeting? How many different opinions have you ever seen in a business meeting, Brother Darrell? He's hiding his head. He said, plenty. And, you know, so all of us have different opinions. All of us have different personalities. All of us have a different fingerprint on our hand. So some people are going to like certain kind of music, right? Some like the traditional some like the contemporary. So some, there's going to be differences in music. Some are going to like a certain kind of preaching. Some like a preaching where the preacher never really moves from right here, and he's just very intellectual and very right here, and this is what they like. And then there are some that love the preacher that gets red-faced, and he's moving across the stage, and he's walking, and he's spitting. Now, I'm assuming y'all don't want me to spit on you. Amen. 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 And so there are some of us that like a certain kind of preaching. I got some good news and bad news for some of you all. I had my six-month review the other night. I, I am here. <laughs> and so I passed. Um, and so I, I am thankful. 
that I am here. I was as nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs the other night, and you know, and I thought, Lord, what are we going to do? And so, uh, but things went well, and so thank God for that. And so there are those that are going to like certain kinds of preaching. There are those that like a certain kind of worship experience over another. Some will be attracted to a certain church because of their, their building. Some are going to be attracted to a church because of their youth and children activities. Some will be attracted to a church because of their mission work and their mission mindness. And some will be attracted to a church because of its convenience. But let me ask you this. What attracted people to the church within the Scripture from which our sermon comes from this morning? I, I want to go back. And, and let's be honest, sometimes to go forward, we have to go backwards. And so I really want you to ponder on this question this morning as we break this down and as we jump into this sermon outline, what was it that was attracting people to this new church body, to this new vision, to this new outpouring of the Holy Spirit, to God's movement, to people being moved by the Holy Spirit and what was happening in their life? What was the attraction? Well, someone once said, all for one and one for all, united we stand, and divided we what? And divided we fall. Well, from the outside looking in, and from the inside looking around, this church family of 5,000 mirrored the very heart of Jesus because they were all for one, and they were one for all. And this is where our sermon outline begins this morning. You ready? No. One, a unified, sharing church mirrors a reflection of what? Of selflessness. A unified, sharing church mirrors a reflection of selflessness. Verse 32, it says, all the believers. Now, church, I want you to notice this. It says all of them. It means the congregation or a multitude in the Greek. And so all of the people were, were there, and the Bible tells us that they were all in one heart, and they were all in one what? And they were all in one mind. Now the order of the Greek sentence really goes like this. The heart and the soul were, were one. And so this little church in Jerusalem that had started with 120 believers, according to Acts 1.15, and within a matter of a short time period, their numbers increased to over 5,000, according to Acts 4.4. You know, one of the things that broke my heart this year, you know, you started a new church, you've got these new ideas, you've got these new outreach plans, it broke my heart when we didn't get to walk our neighborhoods in Sicilia. I wanted to walk. I wanted to introduce myself to some of our, our folks that live here. I wanted you guys to walk and let people know, well, they may go to a church, but that's okay. You live in Sicilia. We want to make sure you've been invited to Sicilia. We want to make sure that, you know, I've heard people say, man, I've lived by a church for 30 years, and I never had anybody knock on my door and ask me, would I like to come to church? I want to change that. Amen? You know, I, I know we're never going to be a perfect church because people aren't perfect. Amen? But I also want to make sure that we're a church that is doing things in a way that people see that they love people at Sicilia. But one of the things that broke my heart was, was not being able to walk. One of the things that broke my heart is that we had no youth camps. 
One of the things that broke my heart is we didn't get to do our children's camps. One of the things that broke my heart is that we didn't get to do Bible school. You know, some people may look at that, well, it's no big deal. Well, it is to me. It is to me. Because God made us to be relational. Amen? God made us to seek out hearts. God made us to seek out families. God made us to seek out individuals. God made us to seek out children. God made us to plant the seeds of the gospel, no matter if they're this tall or if they're this tall. God made us, and we Christians, we are called to do that. And so those things broke my heart. Cecilia Days has been canceled. I know they're only doing what they think is best. We know that. They're looking out for people's best intentions. But it breaks my heart that Cecilia Days has been canceled. And listen, I want to be one of just, this just off the cuff here this morning. We know that church is not all about numbers, okay? It's not all about numbers. But it is about staying busy for God's kingdom, amen? It is about taking those chances and those leaps of faith. And it is about going out and seeking. It is about going out and inviting. You know, when statistics come back year after year after year after year, and it says 8 out of 10 people will come to church if you just what? If you just invite them. Well, God, what are we scared of? What are we fearful of? And so we continue on. This church... Back to this church. This church had no church manuals. This church, it had no confessions of faith. There were no bylaws. There was no church constitution. There was no employee handbook. They didn't have the countless numbers of books that explained how to grow a church. Go in my library, you'll find 20. They didn't have the amenities, the coffee shops. They didn't have the multi-use buildings, the flat-screen TVs. They didn't have the projectors and the lush carpet. They didn't have the central heating and cooling. They didn't have the bright lights. They didn't have the youth groups. They didn't have the nurseries. They didn't have the children's churches. They didn't have all of those activities, but there was one thing they did have. They had unity. They had unity. See, this group of believers, they had a sense of oneness. They had a sense of harmony. They had a sense of togetherness. So how in the world could a group that is numbering in the thousands, how in the world do they achieve one heart and one mind? Well, this is on your outline. You ready? They made a heart decision. Amen? They made a heart decision. Romans 10.10, 10, the Bible says, For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and that you are saved. They had faith that Jesus was who He said He was. Amen? They had faith that Jesus died for their sins. They had faith that Jesus had arisen. They also knew they gave their lives to Jesus to be servants. They had made a heart decision about who Jesus Christ was, and all of the 5,000 had made that unified decision in their hearts about Jesus. And their heart decision affected their what? Their mental decisions. Their heart decision to follow Jesus and to trust Him. It transformed their mental approach. And these 5,000 new believers in Jesus, they were unified in heart and they were unified in soul. Now, church, listen to me. 
I'm not trying to tap on your toes this morning. I'm not trying to cringe, get you to cringe. I'm not trying to get you to place your nail marks in the pews this morning. But isn't it hard to understand when people say they've come and they've given their hearts to Jesus, but they've never given their minds to Jesus? They've never given their lives to Jesus. Oh, but gee, Brother Donnie, I'm saved. I gave my heart to Jesus, but I never gave my lives to Jesus. And it's, oh, it's, it, it, you know, I get on Facebook and Twitter and all this social media, and I see all the garbage that Christians are spreading out here. And I'm like, if you would just let Jesus affect your mentalness, if you would just let Jesus affect your little fingers as you type stuff and put it out, it would affect who you are and who you stand for. And what you do, I told you all last Sunday, I don't put my trust in the government. I, I, I put my trust in Jesus. That's who I put my trust in. And some will say, well, what do you mean? I'm going to tell you because man's going to let you down. Woman's going to let you down. But Jesus won't. And let me throw this in here. The Word of God has not changed. You with me? Sin is still sin. We can try to change it and butter it up and dress it up and look it up, whatever you want to do. But church, listen to me. Sin is still sin. And God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can choose to call sin a choice. We can choose to call sin whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to tell you this. You will answer for your sins. You know, Brian made a great point when he's talking about 2 Timothy, about men wanting their ears tickled. That's our society today. Well, don't say anything biblical, because you say anything biblical, that's not professional. Uh, I'm not real worried about being professional. God called me to be a pastor. God called me to preach the truth, and the Bible says the truth will set you free. If we want the truth in our country, we need to turn back to God. We need to turn back to Jesus. We need to pray for people. We need to encourage people. And yes, even when we tell people the Bible says this, they're going to look at you and say, well, you're a bigot or you're a hater or you're old school or you're this or you're this or you're this. Well, here's the truth. I'd rather tell you the truth than have to answer for it in front of God one day. Imagine standing in front of God one day. You know, people say, well, here's the thing. You're going to be judged by the things that you do. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? You're going to be also judged by the things you don't do and say. So you imagine standing in front of God one day, and God brings you a visual picture of someone. And God says, you know what? They could have maybe have been here, but you were scared to death to tell them the, the truth. Oh, you were scared it was going to bring family friction. You were scared it was going to hurt something in your job. You were afraid it was going to hurt something in your Facebook friends. You were afraid it was going to hurt your Twitter following or your Instagram account. You were scared to death. Not this church. This church made a heart decision, and it affected everything they thought about. It affected everything that they did. And think about this, when we place our faith in Jesus and when we confess him as Savior, the Bible tells in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that Jesus makes us into a new creation and the old is gone and the new has what? It has come. The new has surfaced. The new is visual for people to see. 
And if that's so, shouldn't we be seeing a unified heart and a unified mind as a unified body of Jesus? We know we're going to disagree, church. It's going to happen, amen? We're going to disagree on which ball team to root for. We're going to disagree on which county school to root for. But I did want you to notice I had Central Hard and Blue on this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay? See, that stuff doesn't affect me like it does other people. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because my older son set that example for us. He's got friends from Central Harden, from E-Town, North Harden, John Harden, Nelson County, you name it. He's got friends there. I remember after a ball game, we was playing Central Harden. Somebody come up and they hugged. They're like, man, why are y'all doing that? We're enemies. <laughs> no, we're not. We may be on different teams, but we're still, we, we're still friends. We still love one another. We're still for each other. Amen? And that's what this world needs. That's what they need to see that from us. But I want you to think about this. Here's a great question to ponder on. How are we ever going to know the mind of Jesus if you're not in the Word of God? How are you going to know that? Well, I'll watch the news, Brother Donnie. I'll watch Fox. I'll watch CNN. You ain't going to find it there. Amen? You're going to find propaganda. You're going to find agenda. You're going to find advocate for this and for that. You're only going to find the true word of God in the true word of God, the Bible. And this group of believers, they were listening to Jesus' teaching daily. And yes, they had disagreements then. They disagreed about food. They probably disagreed about clothing and, and different customs. But they were united in who Jesus was. And verse 33 tells us that they had much grace upon them all. Why? Because they knew it was through the grace that Jesus had saved them. They knew it was through the grace that Jesus healed them. They knew it was through the grace that Jesus had forgave them and sustained them. And that grace was overflowing and being witnessed by the thousands and thousands of new believers. And church, hear me this morning. People want to experience the grace of God. They want to see it. They want to experience it. And this new church with this 5,000 members, it was the epicenter of where a person could go and experience the grace of God. And when people come to church, if they're new, if they've not been in church, maybe it's been years or decades or who knows how long it's been, they're wanting to come experiencing the grace of who? Of God. And who has to show it to them? Church, we do. We do. We have to show them that. Jesus became their will. Jesus became their life. Jesus became their, their purpose and, and their, their mission. And they gave their hearts and mind to Jesus. And by doing so, they gave themselves to each other. And they created an environment of you are my brother and you are my sister. And whatever I have, I will share with who? I'll share with you. And then number two, secondly, a unified church mirrors a reflection of what? A sacrifice. 
A unified, sharing church mirrors a reflection of sacrifice. In verse 32b, it says, No one claimed that any of their possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. Now, I can understand why the church was so excited because of their new relationship with Jesus, but, but they were so excited about sharing their stuff with who? With one another. That's hard to envision today, isn't it? That's hard to swallow today. That's a, that's a method that, that we are just not used to seeing. We know it's biblical. We know that it's here. Mark 12, 28. It says this through uh, 31. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. 1 John three seventeen. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? James 2, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good is it? What good is it? The early church, they, they understood their, their financial blessings were a gift from who? Were a gift from God. They understood this because of all they had, they wanted to use their possessions and their blessings voluntarily to help their brothers and sisters in Christ as needs arose. No one said, go sell your home. No one said, go sell your 50 acres that you're not using. No one demanded that. They said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and I'm going to sell my acreage that I've not been using. And they went and they sold it. And they brought it back, and they put it at the feet of the apostles and said, we trust you to do what needs to be what? For what needs to be done. You know, God blesses all of us in different ways. Amen? Some are blessed with more financial wealth. Some are blessed with a beautiful voice. I can't do what Brian does. I can't do what Dale does. I can't do uh, uh, what Billy does. Some he's blessed to be teachers. Some he's blessed to be encouragers. Some he's blessed with great craftsmanship. But could you imagine if those people decided not to use their blessings? Can you imagine if Billy Graham had said, Nah, I don't want to preach. Could you imagine if the Gaithers or Mercy Me or Jeremy Camp or one of your favorite Christian musicians says, Nah, I don't want to sing. Can you imagine what would happen if the church came together in one heart and one mind and open eyes to the ministries that's right in front of them? You know, there's, there's a story about a preacher that was invited to come and speak by a wealthy man at a church to help the membership raise, uh, to pay some funds off that the, of a debt that they incurred. And the wealthy man said, you can stay at my country house or my town home. Or he said, you can even stay at my seaside home. It's up to you. Well, the preacher wrote back to the wealthy man, and he said, I tell you what, he said, sell one of those places and pay the debt off yourself. Sell one of those places, and you pay the debt off your what? Yourself. I want you to remember this about generosity. Whatever it is that God has blessed you with richly, we need to understand God gave that to you. He gave you the power to work. He gave you the ability to think, and he's watching to see how we're going to bless others with what he's blessed us what? With. God's watching. 
You know, I was reading through the book of Job the last couple of weeks. I'm in Ecclesiastes right now. I was going through the Old Testament. And you read that story of Job, and Job's like, you know what? I'm not going to curse God. I'm not going to do it. Job looks and he's talking. He's like, you know what, God? He's the God of the one that gives, and he's the God of one who can what? That can take. And verses 32 and 34 says, No one lacked. There was no family. There was no, no child. There was no man. There was no woman. Some possessed homes and, and lands, plural. And, and they were not necessities. And they sold them and they laid the money at the apostles' feet. And the Bible tells us it was distributed. You know, I, I wonder how did this multitude or this congregation come to understand the needs among themselves? I mean, there was 5,000 people now. How in the world did they understand? How in the world did they come to know that there were needs even among them? Well, according to Acts 2, 42-47, the Bible says they were together. They were together. This means they could see the needs of others with their own what? With their own eyes. They were together. You know, people will come and say, well, I didn't know there was an E, Brother Donnie. I didn't know there was this. I didn't, I didn't know there was that. I didn't know this. It's like, because you're not paying attention. You come in, you're self-focused, you're self-minded, you come in, you hear the word, you walk out the door until next Sunday, and then you come back. Is that what Christ has called us to be? You're never going to know the needs of your church family as long as you look elsewhere. Amen? You're never going to know the needs. You're never going to know the issues. You're never going to know the hurts. You're never going to know who needs the healing. You're never going to know what's going on in people's lives unless you invest in your brothers and your sisters here at Cecilia. Then you'll know. And it's amazing what happens when we fall in love with Jesus. Not only do we start looking at ourselves differently, but our eyes finally open up to the needs that are all, 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 uh, that are all around us. And then lastly, number three, a unified, sharing church mirrors a reflection of what? Of servanthood. You notice we've had a, some S's, right, that we've been using this morning on purpose. There were once four brothers, everyone, someone, anyone, and no one. Did y'all know them? Did y'all ever meet these brothers? They're, they're, oh, they're, they're a mess. They had a very important task to do. Everyone was sure that someone will do it. Well, anyone could have done it, but no one did it in the end. Someone was very angry because it had been everyone's job. Everyone thought that anyone could have done it, but no one realized that no one will do it in the end. And in the end, everyone was angry at someone because no one did what anyone could have done. <laughs> Y'all ever met those brothers? Uh, I'm going to throw you a snippet real quick. You ready? Austin needs help with children. A church, I'm just going to tell you. Now, Austin may not be up here telling you yet, but I'm going to tell you, he needs help with children. He needs help with children on Wednesday nights. And he may even need help with children, different things on Sunday mornings. And I'm sorry, but I don't feel like we should ever have to beg for that help. Well, Brother Donnie, uh, uh, God never called me to work with kids. God never called me to work with children. 
Well, you know what? We're also probably maybe in need of a Sunday school teacher or two coming up in the near future. We need a young adult Sunday school class for our college-age people. We're going to have to have somebody to step, step up. And a lot of times people will say, well, Brother Donnie, I just can't do it. I'm, I'm burnt out. And, and listen, church, I know how you feel about those situations. But listen to me. Your work for God's never in vain. Amen? Your work for God is never in vain. And God knows your heart. And God knows what you're doing. In verse 36, it tells us an individual named Joseph, he sold a field he owned, he bought the money, and he, he brought it to the apostles' feet. Now, Joseph wanted to serve others because of his love for Jesus and his love for others, and he voluntarily, he sold a field, and he laid the money at the apostles' feet because he trusted they would help others in need. We're going to go back a few years. You ready? On January 20th, 1961, 15 years before I was even born, JFK said these famous words as he was sworn in as the 35th president of the United States. He said, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Now, isn't that just the opposite of the day? Nobody said amen. <laughs> isn't that just the opposite of what we see going on today? Because we're all worried about what our country can do for who? For us. Well, I got news for you. That same attitude and same personality, it infiltrates the church. And then we come in, well, I want to see what the church will do for me. Well, how about you pray and ask what you can do for the church? How about that? Well, that change our hearts, wouldn't it? That change our attitudes, that change our personalities. Because listen, we live in a culture that's becoming very selfish. We live in a culture that's become very self-minded, very self-determined. We're living in a time that the church basically is viewed as a place of entertainment instead of a place of worship and servanthood and love. But can you imagine what would happen if all the believers would come together in one heart, in one soul, in a heart of generosity and focus not so much on what the church could do for them, but what they could do for their God and do for their church? Think about that. And this group of believers in the early church in Jerusalem, they understood the love that Jesus had for them. And because of that, they understood the responsibility of loving each other in word, in deed, and material possessions. And when the church comes together on Sunday or Wednesday, it's not just to share the oxygen in the building. Amen? That's not why we're here. But we come together out of the love that we have for Jesus and out of the love that we have for each other. And this early church not only had a great love for Jesus, but they had that love for one another. And let me ask you, you ready? Do you have a great love for your church family? Man, I pray that you do. I pray that you do. When I had my meeting Thursday night with, with the pastoral search committee, and there was one or two of them that couldn't be there. Jerry and Tiffany couldn't be there. And Jerry and Tiffany, let me tell you guys, I love you for what you're doing as well. But the other ones were there, and I wanted them to know I love you guys. I love you guys. You think, well, how do you love somebody in six months? Because Jesus first loved us. That's how. Because we dive into each other's lives. No, I don't need to know your blood type. I don't need to know your Social Security number. I don't need to know your bank account numbers. But, man, it sure is good to get to know you. Amen. 
And that's what it's all about. Having a love for Jesus and a love for each other to come one mind, one body, one heart, serving the Lord and serving each other. I'm going to get a little personal. You ready? Are you sharing with the church? Are you sharing with the church? Are you serving God by serving in your church? Are you sharing your material possessions? Are you doing that? Are you sharing the wealth that God has blessed you with? You know, my wife and I have been tithing ever since we got married. So over 22 years almost, we have been giving to God. There was times where it was hard. There was times that we looked at each other and said, you know, I don't know if we can do it. But then every single time that it got there, God showed up. He showed up. There was either money that we didn't expect. There was either money that was shared. There was money that, that came from different sources and, and different places. And I thought to myself, God, why do I ever doubt you? Why do I ever doubt you? And, and, and here's the irony of it. The more that we seem to give, the more blessings that God seems to keep putting in our lives. Because we can never outgive God. And so many people, they're scared to death. Well, I can't give. I can't tithe. i got to worry about me. That's a heart issue. It's a trust issue. Are you sharing your talents that God has blessed with you? I see so many people in the church today, they just want to fill a pew. And God has blessed them so mightily with talents to teach, talents to do with children, with youth, with Sunday school, with being a greeter, with being on committees, with serving. I see so many people, that just, they're just letting it just go. Man, God's going to bless you for using those talents. Amen. You know, someone once said, said, pray that your heart is loosened in relationship to things and tightened in relationships to people. Bible says we can't take anything with us when we what? When we leave. But you know what? We sure can have a profound effect on people's eternities through introducing them to Jesus. All for one and one for all. United we stand, and divided we what? We fall. This morning as Brian comes and we have our time of invitation, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to come and pray that, Lord, loosen our heart to things and tighten our hearts to each other. Are we a church that is sharing and caring and here for each other and loving God and loving each other and you know what? If you're here this morning and that's the kind of church that you've been looking for, I promise you this morning, that's, that's who we are. And that's who we're becoming. Because we want to get to know you. We want to get to share with you. We, we want to be able to be with you in the good times and in the, the bad times and in the in-between times. And so maybe you're here this morning and that's the kind of church family that you've been looking for or waiting for. This altar is for you. You can come and pray. Come and join our church family. Or maybe this morning you just need to have a movement of your heart and
loosen things, but tighten to people. And so whatever your need is this morning, as Brian comes and leads us, let's stand.